Well, today for for Christians, y'all, this is really this is the Super Bowl Sunday for Christians, and and it's really it is because everything we hope for, everything we are looking forward to as believers is it is what we look forward to because of this holiday, is because of Easter Sunday, and so because of that, today we're going to be looking. In Luke chapter 24, so if you have your Bible, we're gonna, you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like to. So Luke chapter 24, verse number 1, and we will get to the incredible story of Easter in just a few moments. Now, for a lot of you, for those of you who know me, you're probably not going to be surprised to know that when it comes down to uh, having knowledge about the relationships between men and women, I, I'm pretty smart. Uh, whenever it comes to that. So if you know me, you're not too surprised by that. I'm saying that with tongue-in-cheek, of course. Uh, but I've, I have learned a couple of things about relationships between men and women. And uh, one of the things I, that I've learned is that the way that we handle and view resources oftentimes can be, can be quite different than each other. And, and I can give you an example. Uh, for those of you guys, whenever you are driving... There might be those times when you're driving and, and your gas gauge, after a period of time, you know, it's beginning to get lower and lower. Now, if you have a, uh, probably a, a spouse like mine, uh, you might sense that or feel a little bit of a nudge letting you know it, it is time for you to get gas because we are getting low on it. Now, because men, just in general, you know, we are like the masters of metal. And because of that, here's what we know. This is what I know. Whenever the light comes on, the empty light comes on, you are not empty then. Right, guys? You have 30 more miles before you are out of gas. Now, whenever I have somebody that is telling me I need to get gas, uh, I just sort of, I mean, automatically, there's just sort of like this defiant streak that, that comes up in me, and I don't care if I'm running on fumes and about to be empty, by golly, we're going to keep going for another 30 miles. Now, that's not necessarily the smartest thing in the world to do, but there's a lot of us that approach life in the same kind of manner. You know, we're going along in life, and, and we know that there is something missing in our lives. We know that there, there is something that's not quite right, and yet we are so stubborn oftentimes that we refuse to pull over and get filled up. And so what happens is we just sort of run along in life on fumes about to hit empty. Now the world gives us a whole lot of promises. It tells us a whole lot of things that we can have. I mean, you just watch some of the commercials that you see on TV. You know, I watch infomercials and I'll see them tell us, you can have, you can have a better body, you can be better looking, you can make more money. You can have more stuff if you'll just invest in this particular product. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll, go, we'll get that product. And yet it doesn't quite live up to the expectations that we were hoping that it would. And so what happens is we live lives of emptiness. Well, today in our scripture, we're going to see that God, like the world, offers us today, in particular on Easter, some empty promises. And I say, well, I didn't think God gave us empty promises. Well, his empty promises are different 
than the world's empty promises. Matter of fact, I heard a pastor say this, and I wrote it down. I thought this was just a great statement for Easter Sunday morning. Here's what he said. He said, the world's promises are full of emptiness, but God is different. Instead of promises full of emptiness, on Easter, he gave us emptiness that is full of promise. And I read that, and I thought, that is exactly what Easter's all about. It's about emptiness, but it is an emptiness that's full of promise. So that's why we're going to look today in Luke chapter 24. If you go there and you look, this is, I mean, obviously, when man, when it's Easter Sunday, you have to talk about this passage of Scripture. Now, I want to give you a little background here. What had happened before Luke 24 is that Jesus was a very popular teacher. People knew there was something different about Jesus. He became very popular. He was known as an incredible teacher. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the people noticed his teaching because he was one who taught with authority. Not only that, but Jesus was also a miracle worker. And you know, when I talk about miracles, I'm, I'm not talking, but this, he was not like David Blaine performing little side tricks. I mean, he was doing stuff like this. He was healing people who were blind. He was causing people who were lame to get up and walk. He was raising people from the dead. It was a supernatural stuff. Now you think of, of how neat and cool all that stuff is, but it caused a lot, of, a lot of tension in the religious world, strangely enough. And the religious leaders, they didn't like it. And they didn't like it because Jesus was sucking all the oxygen out of, out of, their, out of their territory. And so they were jealous of Jesus, and they wanted to eliminate him. And so right before the Sunday in which we celebrate Easter, their dreams came true. Whenever Jesus was hung up on a cross during the Passover season. And whenever that happened, we're going to see from this event some empty promises that God made to us on that first Easter. Now, what are the empty promises? Well, the very first empty promise is this, the empty cross. Now look with me in verse number 1. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. Now it is no coincidence that the crucifixion took place during the Passover season. Uh, Now the Passover season, the very first Passover, had happened hundreds of years before. And if you watch, maybe this weekend you watch the Ten, the Ten Commandments and then you watch the Hebrew people. And what, what had happened during that time is a man named Moses led the Hebrew people out of Egyptian captivity after over 400 years. Now what God did to encourage Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to release the Hebrew people, y'all remember he sent ten plagues on the people. Y'all remember that? And and then God told Pharaoh through Moses, he said, your firstborn are going to die unless you release my people or unless you do something in particular. Now, any of you Bible scholars remember, if if you wanted to avoid this plague of death, what what had to happen? What did you have to do? That's right. Y'all are, man, y'all are smart. That's exactly right. You had to get the blood of a lamb and you would wipe it on your door frame. And the angel of death would pass by you. We know this because of Exodus 12, verses 12 and 13. 
it says, it says this, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both men and, man and beast. I am Yahweh. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt and the blood on the houses where you were staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. And when I see the blood, what does it say will happen? I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Let me ask you a question here. Do you see a parallel between the Passover story and the crucifixion of Jesus? If you want the angel of death to pass over you, then the blood of the lamb, which was Jesus, had to be shed on a cross. Now you might say, well, well, why did, why did Jesus do that? Why did he have to die? You know, isn't he the son of God? Didn't he have power to rescue himself? We all, if you think again about the Passover story, there was a plague of death coming. And did you know that the, the plague of death is still coming today? Did you know that? Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die and then to face the judgment. Now, the reason why we face death goes back to the very first book of the Bible and the very first relationship between a man and a woman, Adam and Eve. And you might remember, they were disobedient to God. And whenever they were disobedient to God, they sinned against God, and it just caused complete chaos. I mean, it wrecked creation, it wrecked, it wrecked their lives, and it brought death into our world. And because of that, even to this day, we have the same nature now as Adam and Eve in that we, by our nature, are rebellious. And I don't, care, I don't care how good of a person you are. I mean, I'm all for it, but you can be a really good person, but let me tell you something, deep in your soul, it is your nature to rebel. And you might say, oh, I, I don't necessarily believe that. Well, if you have kids, you believe that more and more. Right, whenever your kids are little, they are innocent and sweet, and then I don't know what happens, they, they turn to. And then all of a sudden, that little angel becomes a demon. Right, and so, so how, well, how does that happen? It happens because it is in your nature and my nature to be rebellious. And because of that, all of us are in trouble. The Bible tells us this, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, there's a price to pay. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Because of that, since really since the beginning of time, we've been trying to figure out how in the world can I do something to avoid being separated from God forever so I can go to heaven. And one of the big ones we come up with is this. If I just do more good things than bad things, I'm going to be square with God. Now, I like that. It makes sense to me. But here's the problem. God demands perfection. And there's not anybody in this room that is perfect. You might say, well, I've only messed up three times in my life. Let me tell you something. That's enough. James, James 2.10, listen to what it says. It says, for whoever keeps the entire law and yet fails at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. What do you all think about that? I can tell you this about me. That doesn't bode well for me. 
I mean, because of this, I and you do not qualify, which is exactly why Jesus gave us the promise of the empty cross. You see, Jesus went to the cross like a lamb at Passover in order to shed his blood to pay for our debt of sin. And you might say, well, how could Jesus pay for our debt of sin? Because he lived a perfect life. And he has enough in his account because of that to cover over your sin because he is the son of God. And only he could do it. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's why Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. You know what Jesus' last words were as he was hanging on the cross? It is finished. You know what that means? Your debt has been paid in full. He paid for it all. And he had to be put on a cross and then taken off the cross, the empty cross, and put in a tomb. And because of that, There will be a day with those who trust him who will stand before God and be declared not guilty. Who will stand before God and be declared forgiven because his blood was shed to pay for your sins and mine. There's an old story, and I love the story. It's about a a little boy who had a sister that needed a blood transfusion in order for her life to be saved. They They had the same blood type. And so they went to the boy, and he was, he's like six years old. His sister was like four. And they asked the boy, the doctor said, he said, your, your sister needs a blood transfusion. She needs some of your blood. Would you give your blood? And the little boy, he kind of crossed his arms, and he thought about it for a minute, and he could, his lip began to tremble. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And so they brought him in. They put him on a table next to his sister, and they hooked him up, and they had the tube in his arm. And, and his sister was scared and so being the older brother, he's trying to make her relax, and he was, he was talking to her, and he was, he was trying to make her laugh, and, and everything was going well until he saw that blood coming out of his arm into that tube, and all of a sudden he got really quiet. He just quit talking, and a little bit of sweat began to form on his brow, and the, and the doctor was noticing this, and the doctor walked over to him. He said, are you okay? And the little boy looked at the doctor, and he said, doctor, he said, how much longer do I have until I die? And, and the doctor said it was then that he realized the boy thought he was going to have to give all of his blood for his sister to live. He said in, in that great moment of decision, he said, I will do it. Now, he didn't have to give all of his blood for his sister to live. But guys, let me tell you something. Jesus had to give all of his blood for you and for me to live. And so I I look at the promises of Easter that God gave us. The very first promise he gave us is the the promise of the empty cross. He gave us a promise of the empty tomb next. Now, look with me in verse number 2. It says, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground, And they asked him, why why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has been resurrected. 
Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. Now there's a group of ladies who were followers of Jesus, and they they were making their way early on a Sunday morning, just like today, to the tomb to put spices on the body of Jesus. This was a part of the embalming process. And so as they're going there, they're wondering, you know, who's going to move that, you know, that big stone that's in front of the tomb? That big stone would have weighed, they, many people believe it would have weighed around two tons. And so it's, just, it's a group of ladies, like, we, we don't, hey, how are we going to get that thing out of the way? Not only that, there were Roman soldiers there who had sealed the tomb, who were guarding it to make sure that no one stole the body of Jesus so that they could say Jesus rose from the grave. So as they're talking about who's going to move the tomb, the same story is told in Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, verse number 2, it says that there was a great earthquake, the ground shook, and angels showed up, they moved the stone, and so when the ladies arrive there, it's, it's no longer in front of the tomb. The Roman soldiers in Matthew 28, 4, they were still there, but it says when they saw what had happened, it says they were frozen with fear. I mean, could you blame them? They're scared to death, and then the ladies show up. Now, when I look at that, this is a reminder to me. that The world, and in our nature, we want to do whatever we can to keep Jesus inside of that tomb. We want to do whatever we can to keep Jesus in a box. Because if Jesus did not get up from the grave, that means you can live like you want to, and you're not going to be held accountable. But if Jesus did get up from the grave, there is a God to deal with. There is a living God who is going to hold us accountable for the way we live. Now, for, you know, for our nature, we, we want to be in charge of our own lives. But when I'm in charge of my own destiny and how I live apart from God, boy, it, ne- it does not lead to life. I can promise you that. Romans 8.6 says the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. And we want to keep God in a box, but let me share some good news with you. Our God is the God of life, and today reminds us that death could not hold God. You can't keep God in a box. That's why the angel said, he is not here. He has been resurrected. Those words can be scary, but they should bring us comfort. Because he's a God who brings us life. Now, now death scares us, you know, most people. Because it, it's strange. It's, it's final. It's the end. There's a story about a father and son. As they're, they're traveling in a car. The boy was allergic to bees, and a bee was in the car. It's flying around. The boy's nervous. He's swatting at it, scared to death. And the dad sees what's going on, and he wants his son to quit panicking. And so he reaches out as the, as the bee gets on the dashboard, and he grabs hold of that bee, and he squeezes it. And then he opens up his hand. The boy kind of jumps back. He says, hey, you don't have to be scared anymore. So look at my hand. He said, the stinger. He said, I took the sting. You're okay. That's, y'all, that's what Jesus did. He took the sting of death so that we don't have to be fearful because he's conquered it. And we won't have to pr- pay the price of the penalty of sin when we entrust ourselves to Jesus. You know, that, that is the promise, the empty promise of the tomb. But then here's the last empty promise. And it's the empty clothes. So you look in the text today, we see there's an empty cross, there's an empty tomb, 
Now we see there's empty clothes. Now what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, look in verse number 8. It says, the ladies, they remembered his words about being resurrected. It says, returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. That's the disciples. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, and when he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths, so he went home amazed at what happened. So what happens? So the ladies, they they see the angel. The angel tells them, he's not here. He's been resurrected. They run back to the disciples. They're excited. They tell the disciples, and the disciples hear these ladies, and they rejoice with them. Is that what it says? It says, no, their words were like nonsense to them. You know, a bunch, of, a bunch of guys who said there is no way those ladies know what they're talking about. Now, I want to give you a cultural background here. Uh, during this day, the testimony of, a, of women was not valid in a court of law. So it is very interesting to me that the Bible would say that the very first people to see the resurrected Jesus were a group of women. Now, to me, that shows the validity of Scripture. So these ladies, they went, they saw Jesus had been risen from the dead, and the disciples said, we don't believe it. But Peter and John get up, they run to the tomb. Peter, just because this is his personality, he doesn't go and peek into the tomb. The Bible says, I mean, he just runs straight in. He runs straight into a grave. And he looks in, and what does he see? Empty clothes. Well, what's that mean? Well, the body of Jesus would have been wrapped in linen. It was wrapped in linen. Whenever Peter went in there, there was no body inside the clothes because Jesus got up. Jesus had risen from the grave. Now, why did he do that? Y'all, he did it so that we would have the opportunity to know him, to know his forgiveness, to experience his eternal life, to experience relationship with him. You know, there's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of famous people in this world that we know about. You know, last week, I don't know how many of y'all watched the Masters last week. Um, I, I went and watched it. I picked it up on like hole number 11. And y'all, I'm not even, I'm not even a big Tiger Woods fan. But that day, I was rooting for him. I don't have no idea. I was just rooting for the guy. Now, I, I've known about Tiger Woods ever since he became a professional golfer. I've known about his major records, his 81 wins. I mean, I can tell you a lot of things about Tiger Woods. I'm sure you can too. But I, I don't think anybody in here, do any of y'all like know Tiger, not know about him, do any of y'all know Tiger? If you Let me know if you do because maybe next year we can get tickets to the Masters. Okay, but, but not, not, we know about him, but we don't know him. There, there's a lot of people who know about Jesus. You know, we know about, we know about the resurrection we know, you know, we know about the cross. We know about the miracles that he performed. But while we might know about him, there's a lot of us that don't know him. You know, the empty clothes is a sign that Jesus wants to know you. That there had to be the empty clothes so that there will be a day when his followers will be reunited with him. Now, Easter Sunday, there's a lot of, there's a lot of empty promises. It's the empty cross, the empty tomb, the empty clothes. It's pretty fantastic. This is a pretty fantastic story, isn't it? Somebody died, and three days later got up from the grave. 
That, that does not happen. That, there, is, I, I pr- there is nobody in this room that has had a friend who died, and then three days later, y'all were eating dinner together. I mean, that, that does not happen, right? But, w- but when, God, did you know, when God makes promises, he always keeps them. He is a promise keeper. Yeah, there is a uh, Nordstrom's is a store. They had this policy, and they, they made some tweaks to it. But they had a policy. It was called uh, an unconditional return policy, uh, so that you could buy something from there, and then after a period of time, you could return it and get it replaced, no charge. Now, there's a guy that had heard about this, and he had a blazer he bought like five years before. And after a couple of years, he felt like it was out of style, and he wanted to take it back. But he's like, "There's no way that can be true." And uh, so after about five years, he finally goes back. He says, I'm going to try this thing out. So he takes his blazer back, and he found the manager of the store. He said, listen, I, I want to, you know, I know you all have this policy. I have this, I have this blazer. It, um, you know, it's, it's just out of style, and I'd like to replace it and get a new one. And he said, how, how long have you had? He said, five, five years. He said, the last couple of years I've been thinking about returning it. He goes, my goodness, why didn't you come back sooner? So he took the, he took the blazer. Went and he said, I got a new blazer, and I didn't have to pay a dime for it. Now, I think because of the story, they, they tweaked their policy just a little bit. But they had an a, a unconditional return policy. He said they made a promise, and he said they kept it. Yeah, if Nordstrom's can keep a promise, I guarantee you God can keep a promise. You know, I, think, I, I think Easter, more than any other time of year, we see the outlandish promises of God. He says, I will conquer death that you might live. But you have to trust me and you'll experience this truth. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Rescued. Rescued from death. The, the penalty of sin removed. So then here's my question. Do you know, do you know Jesus? Not know about him, do you know him? Because I want you to know that you can. You can because of Easter. Now here's how I'd like for us to close the service. I'd just like for us at this time, we can bow our heads and close our eyes. And this morning, if you would like to receive the promises of God for your life, here's really what I believe God is thinking. For heaven's sake, what's taking you so long? Don't wait another day. Do it today and know the joy of eternal life in Jesus. Now, if you'd like to have that, just where you are, you can just pray this prayer after me or something like it. Lord, I know I am sinful. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins because I believe that you, as the perfect Son of God, have paid for my penalty of sin on the cross. And you give me hope of eternal life because of your resurrection. Jesus, save me. Now, if you prayed that, something like it, I, I just encourage you, oh, you can open up your bulletin, you can fill out that contact form in there, check that line, I committed my life to Christ, you tear it out, and then when you leave here today, there's, there's a couple of boxes by the back door, where you can just simply slip that piece of paper in there, and we can get you some information in the mail about how you can grow in a walk with Jesus, 
Y'all, it is Easter Sunday, and the sting of death has been removed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Easter. We thank you for your promises. Jesus, we thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to endure the cross, scorning its shame, that we might be reconciled to you. So Jesus, today, we say thank you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.